welcome to another week of Makeup, Masking, and Murder. I'm your host, Abby, and today I'm actually doing a solo episode, so this voice is all you're going to get. <laughs> um, I just want to thank you guys, as always, for all the support and love. We are growing this MMM fam, and I love it. I love interacting with you guys and talking to you guys, so if you want to do a little more interacting head over to our Instagram page, Makeup Masking Murder, or to our Twitter, Makeup Masking Murder Podcast. Yeah, I just love seeing what you guys are up to. I love talking to you about the episodes and hearing your stories and questions, so always feel free to come say hi. So let's just get into it. This week, I am, for my product spotlight, I'm going to tell you about a gift set that they are selling at Sephora currently. Um, I definitely picked up some for friends and family, and I think it's a great value. This is the Laneige Lip Set. Um, if you haven't heard of it, Laneige has a lip glowy balm that's a moisturizing balm, and then it has they have a lip sleeping mask. So one for day, one for night. And I just barely started using these, but I really like them. I think it's still in competition with bomb.com from Glossier because, you know, I'm diehard and that's my favorite forever. But I think this is definitely a close second. I really like the flavor of it. I like the packaging of it. It seems like it has a lot in there. I do like that it's more of like a gloss. It has some color to it, so it's really pretty to wear alone. So yeah, and then the sleeping mask I really enjoyed. I feel like we're going into winter, cold season, and it has helped in the morning not feeling so dry. So this retails for $18. Um, so yeah, it's a nice little gift for, you know, friends or family. Or also if you're making little gift bags, you could, you know, give one person the sleeping mask, one person lip balm, and then you've got, you know, a $9 gift per person. So, sorry Brad, get to hear my yawn. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there is my product of the week. And this week was a weird week. And I don't know if this, what day this episode's going to come out, so I might be a couple weeks off from this story, but I kind of had a weird incident happen. <laughs> so, my husband was out of town, and I had just gotten back in town and, you know, settled into things, and... I was headed to work one morning around 10 a.m. And I'm walking down the stairs. And I live in, like, a really safe area, nice apartment. I've never had any problems. And honestly, like, this is for another day. But my apartment before this was something else. Like, (laughs) cops were there every day. Like, I'd come home to people passed out on my porch and like, I hate to say it, but we had, like, the prostitute, we had, like, a prostitute at the apartment who hung out around there, like, it was really sad, it was a really bad situation, like, we saw someone get dragged into their, their apartment, like, we were always calling the cops, there was always something going on, anyways, so we, like, really were, like, you know what, it's willing, we're willing to pay more to stay somewhere safe, and we've been here almost three years, and we love it, like, we felt so safe here, it's such a great place, And this is seriously the only time I've ever had something that kind of creeps me out. So this week I was just walking down, going to work, and, you know, I've got that, like, murderino mindset. So I'm pretty, like, aware of my surroundings and maybe a little too jumpy sometimes. But I see this, like, 
guy in all dark kind of leaning against the wall just like peering out and I was like oh that's weird but I'm probably just reading into it so I keep walking out to my car and I turn around because I just kind of felt weird about it and the guy is like hunched down peering around the corner at me and then when I look back he like gasps and jumps back and hides behind the wall so you know me I sprint to my car like terrified hop in, lock the doors, first thing you should do, no matter what, do not sit in your car, and I'll get more to this later, but doing that, and I start backing up and driving to go to work, and these two guys, who I, like, can tell are, like, the same height, like, it was the same guy, walk out, and they're in, like, completely normal clothes, but then have, like, this weird cop vest on that says police, but, like, didn't really look like they had any like tools or anything on them like it like it looked like something they pulled out of a bin at like zurchers like I was like in what world is this real so I (laughs) rolled on my window like partially and I was like you guys just startled me what are you doing and the guy looks at me and is like oh we're just home teaching don't worry about us carry on your way and so I live in Utah which is like a very mainly Mormon state and home teaching is something that like members of the Mormon church will go visit other members or people who aren't really in the church anymore I think I'm not totally sure and they'll go like teach them a lesson and you know bring them treats whatever so I was like at 10 a.m on a Wednesday I didn't even say anything back I just rolled up my window drove away And so then I ended up posting on social media about it because I was really creeped out. Like, I didn't see a cop car. And you think if they're, like, undercover, they wouldn't have these giant vests on, you know? So that was weird in itself. But then, (laughs) I don't know. Then I just keep kind of thinking about it. And I post about it on my Instagram and I'm talking about it. And people start responding and they're like, um, Abby, home teaching isn't a thing anymore. So I guess, like, the Mormon church stopped doing home teaching So that kind of made it even more weird. Not my favorite moment. (laughs) So, I mean, regardless if they were guys dressed up as fake cops or if they were undercover or something, I don't know. I just don't feel like it felt right. So moral of the story, always trust your gut. I don't know. Just be careful out there. There's been a lot going on right now especially with like human trafficking a lot of stuff like that so just stay safe stay aware and actually at the end of the episode I'm going to go through and actually read some tips on how to stay safe so stay tuned for that and today I'm going to dive into the story of Amy Lynn Bradley on Saturday March 21st 1998 Virginia native Amy Lynn Bradley set sail with her family on an international Royal Caribbean cruise The ship they were on was called Rhapsody of the Seas. Um, Yeah, I just picture this big, bustling ship. Good times, good times. The ship they were on departed San Juan, Puerto Rico. It was headed to Curaçao. Oh, I just looked this up, and I think I need to look it up again. How to say it. (laughs) I'm going to say Curaçao. So, headed to Curacao, then to St. Martin, St. Thomas, and then the Virgin Islands. Sadly, Amy was not going to make it through the whole cruise. 
On the night of Monday, March 23rd, the family attended a dinner party on the ship, which if you've, I've only been on a couple cruises because I'm get super seasick and they're kind of my personal hell, <laughs> but I think this is really fun. They do like formal dinner parties and you get dressed up and you go and they take photos of you and it just sounds like a good time. So Amy, 23 year old, recent college graduate and her brother headed to an onboard board club for a night of drinking and dancing. Amy spent some time hanging out with the ship's band Blue Orchid and she was mostly seen hanging out with a guy called Yellow whose real name was Alistair Douglas who for a bit was actually seen as a possible person of interest. Brad, her brother, returned to their room around 3.30 a.m. leaving Amy at the club but claimed she returned, sh returned shortly after him and the two talked about the night and plans for the next day. Around 4, Brad went inside to go to sleep and left Amy on the balcony. Around 5 a.m., their dad woke up and he saw Amy lounging on the balcony. Still tired, he rolled over and went back to bed, didn't think anything of it. Till 6 a.m. when he got up and only saw, and went in to check on them and only saw Brad sleeping and no sign of Amy. Um, he noticed her shoes were still there. But her cigarettes and her lighter were gone, so he figured she went maybe somewhere out on the ship. So with the rest of the family still sleeping and him wide awake, he decided to go looking for Amy. But he had no luck. He kind of started to panic because, I mean, she was awake all night. He just saw her, and it's like a cruise ship. Like, I'm not totally sure how big this one was, but I'm pretty sure not big enough for it to, like, you totally not be able to find someone, you know, especially that early in the morning. I'm sure certain areas were closed, all that. So he came back, he woke up his wife and asked her if she had seen him. He was saying that he thought it was strange and also that the boat would be docking in Curacao soon. So they thought it was best to, you know, take extra measures and precautions and ask the crew if they'd make an announcement on board to look for her or just see where she was. But the crew refused because they didn't want to cause a panic. Which, I mean, they'll, like, call for people looking for kids. Like, why wouldn't you for a 23-year-old? You know what I mean? So they seriously begged the crew to not let anyone off the ship until they did a search. Just because, again, like, I think it was kind of one of those, like, parent instinct things... Where would you go after a night of no sleep at 6 a.m.? You know what I mean? Like, and I think this just wasn't totally in her nature either. So they begged, 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 but the cert, them to not let any, anyone off the ship until they did search, but the crew refused and literally like pushed the family aside and was like, we'll do a search, but we'll let you know. They told the Bradley, they were on, Bradley family, they were on a tight schedule and there was nothing they could do. The family was in fear that someone had taken her off the ship, but they were getting nowhere with these officials. So they're like, what do we do? So they get off the boat. They're, I think they probably, you know, were like, we're going to wait at the end and see if anyone brings her off. So they spend the day looking for her. The ship was set to sail away that evening. And basically the family was told if they're set on searching for her, the ship would be leaving without them, which is so insane. Like... I get maybe you can't hold up a whole, you can't hold up a whole ship, but like they should have done the search in the first place. So the ship left and they stayed. I can't even imagine 
the fear and like hopelessness of sitting in that moment and just being like I need to make this decision like do I get back on the boat and risk her staying being here or do I get off the boat and risk her being held on the boat by someone like it it didn't it was just a lose-lose situation honestly and just like you know roll of the dice so they contacted the U.S. Embassy there and the FBI were immediately involved like thank heaven someone was taking this seriously because I think the cruise ship just had no clue what they were doing um so they con the FBI I guess contacted the cruise ship and it was found out that this search doing little finger quotes here that the cruise line claimed to do was far from thorough and they basically just like took a gander around all these common areas so luckily the FBI was super super helpful and they like really took care of the Bradley family they caught a flight to meet the ship at their next port and continue the investigation Based on her brother's accounts of the crew just fawning over her and giving her special extra attention all night, and even, like, not even just at the club, but, like, at dinner and just kind of throughout the, their first couple days there, they immediately put suspicion on them. Later, they were able to see some video footage where Amy could be seen dancing and holding hands with Yellow, so he was immediately brought in for questioning. He passed a polygraph, though, and was taken off as a person of interest, which, like, we don't trust polygraphs. <laughs> like, no. Can we not? But I think there were some other things that kind of put it at bay that Yellow was involved. There was, however, another odd event that kind of fired off warning signals to the family that had happened before she went missing, and they just kind of put two and two together. So, as I mentioned earlier, at the dinner parties on board, it's tradition to have, like, a photography setup. I know you've seen them. It's, like, the really extra backdrop, and <laughs> the families are there, and it's so great. But they'll usually take the pictures. You'll go and eat dinner, and then when you come out, they've printed them out, and they're available for purchase. So you, like, go through. You find yours. Like, oh, I like this one. I'll buy a higher resolution, you know, whatever of that. So when they went out to look at the photos, every single photo that Amy was in was gone. Like, I mean, it didn't specify this, but the way that it said it, it's almost like, oh, there was a photo of like the dad and son and that was up there. There was the parents and that was there. But anything with Amy, gone. So <laughs> that's really creepy. They asked the photographer... And he specifically remembered printing them. But to this day, no one knows why or where those photos went. And I mean, obviously, he was able to pull them up on like a memory card and print them again. But he knows he printed them the first time. So I'll post that photo up. But with the FBI, FBI on board this time, they like got cracking. They really actually did some extensive searches on the ship. And actually, the Netherlands Antilles Coast Guard got involved and conducted a four-day search. The Royal Caribbean Cruise Line ended up stepping up their game, too. And they chartered a boat and continued their search, but that search ended on March 29th. So, let's see. They, I'm scrolling back up, set sail March 21st. Last time she was seen was 
March 23rd, early morning, March 24th, and March 29th, (laughs) they ended it, which, I mean, there's so many things that happen, and I understand, like, there's only so much they can do, right? But that just feels so quick. Another thing that kind of kept coming up was like, oh, well, maybe she fell off the balcony and drowned, you know, but there have been so many stories that I came across where people will fall off and actually like a lot of people survive or if not, it's pretty rare that like you notice and I think it would have been one of those things where it's like there would have been evidence of her falling off. I don't know the exact science of this, but basically they ruled it out that there was probably no way that that's what had happened. Um... And no sign of her, like, dying from suicide either. Like, Amy had a job set up when she got home from this cruise. Like, she was a bright girl. She had just finished college. Like, there was no reason that was showing up that she would have been in that state of mind, hopefully, you know. I mean, she also was a trained lifeguard. So, I mean, I know the ocean's a rough, scary place, but you think that... I don't know just like normal people have survived so you think that she would have been okay so the investigation went nowhere though but it also hasn't gone completely cold like this is this has been one of those cases that for years we've gotten you know tips coming in here and there and I'm sure they've gotten lots of tips but they've gotten a few that seem like entirely plausible a year after Amy disappeared the Bradleys got a call from a man claiming that he knew exactly where she was he'd been tracking this like whole operation and he was like I know she's there I've seen her with my own eyes I've talked to her like this is going down like we've just we've had someone on the inside like seriously like this whole thing like it was ridiculous so he like planned this whole operation and he told them this is some really complex rescue mission you know that might take a few times and it we've got this team of former Navy SEALs and literally just shelling out over $200,000. They learned that this was just like a sick man who was taking advantage of their desperation. And, you know, luckily the man got caught, trial, convicted, whatever, and had to pay them back. But at this point, you know, like, like first 48 hours, right? But even to an extent, it's like the first year, the first, you know, so it's, You can't give back all that precious time that they were like, no, we found her and put off all other rescue, like, missions and, you know, search parties, all of that. So that was so unfortunate and so sick that someone would do that to them in their situation and really take advantage of that. So as far as sightings, there were quite a few of them. The first one came in August of 1998, and this was about... This was five months after Amy had disappeared, and a Canadian man named David Carmichael was on the beach in Curacao, where he actually saw a girl being, you know, escorted and walked around by these really big, intimidating, tough-looking men. And he was quoted to say, she looked frightened like she was about to say something to us when one of the guys motioned her away and then gave me a menacing look. I am haunted by the encounter with Amy. I know it was her. He really deep down believes that this was her. Like, he initially thought nothing of the interaction, but then he saw something on TV about the whole situation, and he claims that he actually noticed her very distinct tattoos, which 
Tasmanian devil spinning a, a basketball on her shoulder and a gecko on her navel. So very, you know, very unique. You would notice it. And yeah, when he saw it on TV, it just rung bells and you can tell he feels a lot of guilt and he shouldn't. It's, you know, nothing he can do. It's just an awful situation and it's good that he ended up, when he put two and two together, he ended up coming and reporting it. Later on, there was actually a soldier with the U.S. Navy who had reported a sighting of Amy at a brothel on Curacao, but he sadly didn't report this for a long time. He had gone there to a brothel to find a woman, and he ended up with a woman claiming and saying to him over and over, I'm Amy Bradley. I'm being held captive. Like, please get me out of here. She was literally begging him for help. And she eventually, I think, got taken away by the owners of the brothel. And he, unfortunately, didn't want to get into trouble for being at a brothel, so he never reported it. By the time he finally reported it, years later, the brothel had been burned to the ground. Another woman claimed that she was at a department store, and she was in the restroom. Um, And I think she was in one of the closed stalls, and... A woman entered with three men who you could tell were like really haranguing her and they were threatening her if you didn't follow through and we're gonna da da and just on this deal just really threatening her and intimidating her and scaring her and so they walk out. The girl walks out of the stall and she approached the woman and was like are you okay and the woman said my name is Amy I'm from Virginia. He's trying to explain the situation and the men burst in and take her away again. Um, so she immediately reported him and they actually were able to do some sketches of the three guys she was with, did like a sketch of Amy, which her description matched what Amy looked like and what like with age progression probably looked like. So if you go on the FBI site too, I believe those are on there as well, but I'll post up, but there's stuff all over like It's really just been a matter of tracking this down. But I think the most disturbing incident was actually the Bradley family had a website with all of her information, you know, like just trying to find her. And there was an email sent to the Bradley family, which contained two photos of a female. These photos were of a woman lying on a bed in her underwear, um, very not even suggested because they're pretty full on. One of them, she's in her underwear. One of them, they didn't release, but I saw somewhere. So I think it's the other one. Um, but I think she was like nude, probably. It had blurted out. But this photo, if you look at the face, and also backstory, Amy had really short hair. She had like a pixie cut when they were on this cruise, whereas in these photos, she has like longer hair, like medium length hair. Um, but she, she looked just like her, like her face was very similar. It'd be about the right age and everything. Um, and she, the woman in the photo appears to be very distraught, yet despondent. Um, the family ended up actually going on Dr. Phil that year in 2005 and sharing this photo with the public as like this plea for help. And These photographs were observed by a member of an organization that actually attempts to track potential victims on sites that feature prostitutes. So I honestly was, I read multiple places and I'm not totally sure if 
this member of the organization was the one who found the photos and sent them to him or where they necessarily got the photos from but nevertheless they were never able to track down the photos or track them or track down the photos to any person or place it was just like this cold raw lead so there have been a lot of different theories of what could have happened to amy um people have said you know it's pirates or it's it was someone on the ship or she decided to run away <laughs> love when they use that one right <laughs> um just you know she could have fallen off the boat there were many things swirling around as always does because people you know people want answers that's why i think people make these up so we just we all want answers right but in 2010 as a result of hurricane thomas Um, There was actually a human jawbone that washed up on the beach in Aruba. And there had been another missing persons case, similar, Natalie Holloway, which maybe we'll have to talk about another day. But she had actually disappeared around the same time. And they tried to originally link this to Natalie's case. But authorities confirmed it wasn't connected, it wasn't hers, it didn't match her teeth. So instead, and this just like rubbing my head like instead of you know okay well let's send this in for more testing let's see if we can place this dna they just stopped with any testing and never linked it to anything else and it wasn't even just amy in those last 15 years from 2010 to you know 95 there had been Amy, and then at least, I mean, this is like what they're sure of, at least nine other Caribbean vacationers who had disappeared. So I hope one day, like, and I mean, we don't know their reasoning. They always withhold information, right? Like there could be more to the story, but I hope one day they'll be able to test it again and go through that. So I, I personally think the most plausible theory and with all the evidence, and I think this is what the general public believes, but someone on the cruise ship was working with someone on land um, involved in sex slavery. And I think that's what she was sold into, which is really, really sad. And it's it's a problem, guys. Like, I wouldn't even... <laughs> I, d- I don't even know if anyone... Like, if people realize... I think people are starting to, but how common it is like we live in Salt Lake City and like I've heard stories here like there's it's not just you know down in different areas or in different countries like it's everywhere so you need to be really careful and really aware and I feel like there's been a lot of cases lately so I've seen these tips going around like safety tips and all that so I actually decided I'm going to read these to you guys and these obviously are from any you know, safety area. Oh my gosh, my brain. I'm so sorry. These are like, you just follow these at all times. <laughs> so this was written by a cop. Um, and I bet you've seen it going around social media, but I'm going to share it. So number one is a tip from Taekwondo. The elbow is the strongest point in your body. If you're close enough to use it, do. Number two, Learn this from a tourist guide in New Orleans. If a robber asks you for your wallet and or purse, do not hand it to them. Toss it away from you. Because the chances are they're more interested in your wallet and purse than you, and they'll go for that and then run like mad in the other direction. 
Number three, if you're ever thrown into the trunk of a car, kick out the back tail lights and stick your arm out of the hole and start waving like crazy. The driver won't see you, but everyone else will. And this has saved lives. I've seen this like in movies and I actually recently saw a video, which I will post up on my social medias too, but most cars, if they're made after 2010, I want to say, they have this actual little lever in the car that you pull in the trunk and it'll pop the trunk open. So I will post that, but yeah, just, you know, keep these in mind. You think it would never happen to you, but you never know. Number four, I think people have a tendency to get in their cars after shopping, eating, working, whatever, you know, when they get in their car. And I've even, I used to be a person who would do this too, but you know, after getting into true crime, I'm like, there's no way. But you know, you'll, you'll be looking at your phone, you'll be checking emails, you'll text it back, you'll start making a list. I love that they said doing their checkbook because like, do does anyone under the age of 20 even know what a checkbook is anymore? <laughs> um, but don't do this. The predator would probably already be watching you and this is the perfect opportunity for them to get in on your passenger side, put a gun to your head and tell you where to go. As soon as you get in your car, lock the doors and leave. 100%. 100%. Um, and also, like with my story I told you earlier, I got a message from a friend who, she works at a bar, and she was saying at night they they ended up having to change, like, their closing regimen and have, I think, like, have security out in the parking lot because a couple times there was a man, or maybe multiple, but hiding behind girls cars and then you open it and they can jump right in so crouched behind can't see them just just hop in and drive away also maybe this is me from that old folk tale but I always check my back seat too um just to make sure that there's no one in my car oh which kind of leads to the next one if someone's in the car with a gun to your head do not drive off Instead, gun the engine and speed into anything wrecking the car. Your airbag will save you. If the person is in the back seat, they will get the worst of it. As soon as the car crashes, bail out and run. It is better than than them having... Oh my gosh, this is kind of morbid. It's better than them having them find your body in a remote location. Yep. Number five. A few notes about getting into your car in a parking lot or garage. A. Be aware. Look around. Look into the car, your passenger side floor, and in your back seat. Oh, yay. Yeah. B. If you're parked next to a big van, enter your car from the passenger door. Most serial killers attack their women by pulling them into their vans while, attempt, while women are attempting to get into their cars. Okay, good to know. C. Look at the car parked on the driver's side of your vehicle and the passenger side. If there is a male sitting alone in the seat nearest your car, you may want to walk back into the mall or work. <laughs> Love how they assume it's just shopping. And <laughs> get a guard or policeman to walk you back out. It's always better to be safe than sorry, and it's better to be paranoid than dead, which is very valid. Six, always take the elevator instead of stairwells. Stairwells are horrible places to be alone and the perfect crime spot. This is especially true at night. I 100% agree with this, and I feel like I'm always that person who's like, oh, but I love taking the stairs. Just get a few more steps, right? But, like, 
I remember in Utah people like the gateway stairs as gateway is like a ghost town now. I took them once, well, for a while because I was being stubborn. And one night I was like, kind of hit me the reality like someone could just be in here and no one would have a clue because it's so like desolate in there. Seven, if a predator has a gun and you're not under his control, always run. The predator will only hit you a running target for in a hundred times. And even then, it most likely will not be a vital organ. Run preferably in a zigzag pattern. Number eight, women, and I think anyone, but a lot of times are trying to be sympathetic. (laughs) Stop. All caps. It may get you attacked, raped, or killed. Ted Bundy, the serial killer, was a good-looking, well-educated man who always played on the sympathies of unsuspecting women. He walked with a cane or a limp. He often asked for help into his vehicle and, you know, or with his car or his boat or whatever. And that's always when he took his next victim. Number nine, and this one terrifies me because I've actually been hearing about this more often, but someone um, just told me that her friend heard a crying baby on her porch the night before last and she called the police because it was late and she thought it was weird the police told her whatever you do do not open the door she then said it sounded like the baby had crawled near a window and she was worried that it would crawl to the street and get run over the policeman said we already have a unit on the way whatever you do do not open the door he told her that they think a serial killer has a baby's cry recorded oh i have chills and uses it to coax women out of their homes thinking that someone dropped off a baby. They said they have not verified it, but had a sev- had several calls by women saying that they hear babies cries outside their doors when they're home alone at night. That is so freaking messed up. So, take these seriously. Like, I know that we're always like, this will never happen to me. Like, there's no way. Whatever. That is not a good mindset. We are all guilty of it, but it's not the way to be. Like, this is a crazy world and don't be paranoid. You know, you don't need to think every person who's looking at you is going to kidnap you, but be smart, be aware, be just keep an eye on your surroundings. And yeah, I think it's always better to be safe than sorry. Like I rather, (laughs) you know, run from someone who seems like they're going to attack me or whatever. And then them come up and be like, Oh no, I'm your mom's friend. And like me feel like an idiot. Rather that than, like, not run and get taken away by a stranger. So, be safe, be smart, and um, I'm doing something a little fun. Me and Britton, when we first got married, we, me being a hairstylist, we opened or we started a hair tie company of those, you know, non-crease, silky hair ties. And we have... We, so basically it was called blush and our big thing was that we donated a portion of every sale to, um, human trafficking organizations. So we no longer sell them, but I would love to spread these around, you know, help spread the cause even more. So if you go to my Instagram or go to my Twitter or anything and just send me a message. Say, hi, I just listened to your last episode. I'm going to mail you one, like some of these hair ties and you can give them to friends as gifts. You can do whatever, but 
I think this is something we really need to be aware about. And we've got our whole mission statement on the back talking about human trafficking and, you know, all the hurt and problems it's caused for people. And I think it's just really important for everyone to be aware. So, again, go to our Instagram, Makeup Masking Murder. Go to our Twitter, Makeup Masking Murder podcast. And I would love to send you some hair ties. And they're really cute, too. I'll post some photos. So, Thank you guys so much, and if you like the podcast, please write a review and leave us a rating. It means the world to us. I had some people doing that this week, and I'm actually also, if you reach out and if you write a review, I will mail you some stickers of the podcast as well. So thank you guys so much for the love and support, and please, please, please stay safe. Stay safe. Oh my gosh, I can't talk, but I love you all, and I hope you have a great week. Talk later. Goodbye. This episode of Makeup, Masking, and Murder is written and brought to you by me, Abby Hill, with special thanks to our amazing production manager, Brad Newfeld. Our theme song and music is written by David Evanhoff, owner of David Evanhoff Sound Designs. Vocals by the amazing Emily Starr and David Evanhoff. Thank you to everyone who's made this possible, and we will see you guys next week.